Welcome to Horrible Friends. It's a podcast about horror movies, kind of in a book club fashion. Uh, today we have uh, a cure for wellness. And to start it off, my name is Kyle. My name is Chris. My name is Mike. My name is Dan. And I'm Jarvis. And like I said, today, Cure for Wellness. Uh, it's going to be a fun one, long one. Uh, you can find this movie uh, for free if you have a library membership on Hoopla. And uh, with that, I think we're going to go into the uh, kind of the financials for this movie. Dan, do you want to take over? Sure. So as Kyle said, we're doing Cure for Wellness, which is a 2016 movie. It was directed by Gore Verbinski, who's best known for the Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy. He's also known for Rango, of which he won an Oscar for, The Ring, Mouse Hunt, which is a childhood uh, favorite of mine, and the great, wonderful, and not controversial Lone Ranger. Uh, the screenplay was done by Justin Haith, who is most known for doing Revolutionary Road, uh, also the Lone Ranger. He was a writer for, did the screenplay for Red Sparrow, and he was an executive producer for Bohemian Rhapsody. The budget of this movie is was approximately $40 million, and it was kind of a flop. It only made $26.6 million at the box office. This movie is pretty long. Uh, it runs about 146 minutes. Uh, and just a little fun fact about this movie, uh, the third... During the third week, uh, this was actually pulled from about 97.8% of theaters and just it only about. grossed, yeah, and it and it only grossed $31,000. And it's actually the second largest third week theater drop in history. Well, I would assume they pulled it because it was doing so poorly, and that's why they just wanted to get it out of theaters as soon as possible. Yeah, it went to from 27. 100 theaters to just 88 in its third week i think i'm gonna give that one wow. the uh the big oof award that, that's a <laughs> that's an oof man can you imagine if they had just cast johnny depp in the lead role i mean with the lone ranger and rango and whatnot like this could have been a very different movie reception that would have been wild i would have this is before it. johnny depp's like hollywood stock plummeted in the last couple months yeah, but it's it's risen back. Let's not get too into weeds with that one. It's on its way. Yeah. <laughs> so usually I tell you guys all uh, the other horror movies that came out in 2016, but we just did a movie in 2016 last week, so I'm not going to do that. And instead, let's just skip ahead and get to the plot, and I'll pass that on over to Jarvis. All right, boys, I'm jacked. I am absolutely smitten today. Today we're doing a cure for wellness. I saw this in theaters. I am one of the poor saps who did see it. Um, and I got to tell you. who saw it in theaters? So I, I did. And clearly it wasn't the third week because I'm sure it was pulled by then in my local theater. Um, but I, I let me tell you, before I get started, this is one of my favorite things about us doing this podcast, boys, is that I get to relive and rewatch some old movies good or bad and this one i thought was total garbage until i rewatched it and now i have a newfound appreciation for it and hopefully after our podcast if you haven't seen it you'll go out and watch it as well so with that let's get right into the plot we start with the opening credits and we see this sweet cityscape very dark gradient and we get this kind of female this super creepy la la music um 
And then we we go into a near empty Wall Street uh, high rise uh, where a Wall Street executive businessman doing lots and lots of very business things and dark graphs. Um, and all of a sudden, he, uh, he's got like heartburn. Uh, so maybe this dude needs some Pepto-Bismol. Um, we, the camera is kind of shooting around. We see a letter with a wax seal and it looks like like squiggly snakes or eels or something. Um, so he goes over to the water cooler, takes a drink, and out of nowhere, keels over, dies, water goes flying, and we presume that he is dead. I mean, um, from there, we... That, that's oh, what, go ahead. That's what water, water will do to you. It, it'll yeah. kill you. I made sure I wrote down, oh, note to self, water does not cure a heart attack. <laughs> oh. All I said was, I love it when people fake type on their keyboards. Like, I saw him push the S button three times in a row, followed by X, followed by S, followed by H two times. I was very confused. That's all I had. <laughs> all I wrote was, uh, being salesman of the year doesn't give you the cure for wellness. Ah. Ooh, got him. This whole movie is an attack on capitalism, and I think we will see that as time goes on. Um... Okay, so uh, Morris is dead, by the way. His name's Morris. You'll learn that. All right, and now we're very far removed from the dark cityscape background, and now we're on a train, and we're going through this this kind of Swiss Alps uh, scene. Uh, It's beautiful. We see the mountains, and this is where we're going to meet our main character, who is also doing business things, tick, tick, ticking away at his keyboard, and he's being a dick to someone on the phone about business things. And... We see the same letter um, on Morris's desk is now with our main character and he is uh, he starts to read it. And now we're kind of in a flashback Um, and we see him moving his stuff into a very nice corner office. And we realize as this uh, as this scene goes on that this is Morris's old office. So Morris died. This kid took over. He's being a dick. So, So the scene is set. Um, as he's talking to his friends about the new corner office and they're celebrating, his secretary comes in and reminds him that it's his mom's birthday. And she and he goes, hmm, get my mom a gift, would you? Was anyone else like hoping it would be like another liar, liar scene like Train to Busan? <laughs> his mom opens a box. Baseball stuff. <laughs> Baseball stuff. Wow. I'll put this Nintendo Wii right next to my other Nintendo Wii. <laughs> Yeah, I I wasn't sure what to say. This this scene was he fit into that role so quickly. It was like he was made for it. The thing I hadn't written down I noticed was uh, the fish had died in the uh, fish bowl or the fish tank. He just threw it in the trash, like right on top of all the important business paperwork. With what his... kind of per- what kind of person just throws out a fish? You're supposed to flush that thing. Hey, that fish has confidential information. It needs to be shredded. Okay, shredded. Honestly, that's what I thought about seeing all of the business, you know, paperwork sitting in the trash can. As right. someone who now works in like an office setting, it's like we refer to that as T-filing. And um, you try not to T-file things because, you know, you don't know what's gonna, where it's going to go. Oh, T for trash. Yeah. Ah. T for trash, not Teletubbies. No, huh. I wish. That was the first question I asked. <laughs> so he gets called away out of his new sexy corner office and he goes into a uh, what we see it looks like a board meeting uh, where the contents of the letter uh, from a Mr. Pembroke um, who is one of the old partners 
uh, he's writing to the board and it goes through this kind of long, we we're, we're reading the letter. Um, we're hearing the letter being read aloud from Mr. Pembroke. And, um, this, the scene is kind of centered around this boardroom table. I thought it used a lot of clever kind of business visuals, um, to make you feel kind of like uneasy, you know, like the clicking of the pen sweating on the, you know, the water jugs, uh, just to kind of make everyone seem like they're uncomfortable with whatever's happening in that room. Yeah, and they, um, they surround him like sharks. They they had yeah. him like against the wall pretty much since the beginning. So yeah, very boardroom. I think this clicking of the pens more of a power move, where they're doing it just to show that it's not this meeting is not important to them, and they'll make noise, they'll do whatever they want. So it's they're trying to do a power move on them. Well, I mean, luckily we had something that broke the tension. Um, when the business female in the room asked our main character if he's ever had a 12-inch black dick in his ass. I mean, I think a 12-inch black dick would uh, break the tension. Mm-hmm. I think it'll break a lot more than tension. <laughs> I, I wasn't a fan of the, uh, the, rape, the rape jokes. Just, just going to say, I, I don't like it when people say that kind of stuff. I think it's in poor, poor taste. I'm going to yeah. be the not funny one. Sorry. I mean, and they were also referencing it, not to make it any better at all, but they were referencing it as, uh, is he ready to go to jail? Because he did, uh, he didn't, did he do anything bad? I don't actually know. All I know is that I wrote down the Reynolds account. Oh no. <laughs> I think it's I think the like, implication there. Oh, go ahead, Chris. I think it was something like he landed this like, uh, like big contract for their, uh, their company but they kind of found out that he did it through some pretty shady uh, ways and that things that if it came to light, he would have easily been thrown in jail. But like, did he? I I don't know. He seemed like he he might have because he the only reason that he would agree to go on this trip, like separate of the fact that he got a big promotion. I think it had to do with they gave him the promotion because they knew he got this big account under nefarious means. And they figured they could use that leverage against him to send him on this trip to retrieve the uh, partner who had gone off to this center in, what was it, Switzerland? Switzerland, yep. Yeah. I'll be honest, the, the whole thing with him like possibly going to jail or not was so convoluted and confusing to me that I basically just put it out of my brain and I was like, all right, well, he's just going to Switzerland to go get this guy. I, I don't know what else you guys are talking about. <laughs> so a lot of this movie uh, centers around this merger, right? This uh, The business that he is in is merging with another company. Um, I think Mike hit it on the hit the nail on the head. Um, he gained this account through nefarious means, fudging numbers, something like that. And basically they put him in a position where now he will retrieve Mr. Pembroke, who will be taking the fall for the issues that the company is having so that it will not interfere with the merger. So now we know why our main character is in the Swiss Alp on this train. He is going to retrieve Mr. Pembroke to sign off on the merger papers and ultimately take the fall. So now we're off the train. We are in the, we are in Switzerland and a chauffeur is picking up our character and he just doesn't shut up like most movie chauffeurs. Um, I don't remember what, what were they talking about that like sprung up uh, our main character whose whose name is Lockhart. I think that's all we really get out of him. Uh, his, his name's Lockhart. He has daddy issues. 
<laughs> I'm so happy that you said that he has daddy issues. That's literally what my notes at this part is. Oh, this kid has such a dark past, not having a dad. My dad was weak. Yes. Yeah. Yes. See, I was too distracted by the fact that the uh, chauffeur was smoking in the car with all the windows closed. I mean, normally <laughs> you want to crack a window, but I had to. It took me distracted well we all know that the swiss alps has very dirty air so the air inside the car with the cigarettes was uh safer you know that's very true the cure for wellness is cigarette smoke secondhand smoke cures everything hey Got i'm just it. saying uh who died in this film but was it the chauffeur mm. not the chauffeur mm. <laughs> big smart guy all right <clears throat> all right so now we we see his mom so one thing that's very disjointed about this whole movie, it's purposely done this way, is that you get a lot of like flashbacks to random places. Now, so we see his mom, um, and we get a lot of like dark visuals. Like if 2004 Hot Topic was just like a random flash of visuals, that's what this movie is. Like it's a lot of just dark imagery and weird fucking music, uh, back to back to back. So we see his mom. There's a nursing home. It's you know, typical dark and dreary dialect, um, which was actually kind of dope. Um, and she gives him like a music box ballerina. And hey, it's the same song from our our uh, credit open. So this is all while he's uh, driving in the car with this shitty chauffeur who's smoking in the car. And we're driving through this village and didn't they throw something at the car some shit. Yeah, they were starting to throw like rocks and other stuff at the car. As they were driving through the village, uh, they they were nihilists. Mm-hmm. I will say, it gives a, I just want to tell you, it's a very it. accurate like statement when you say it's like 2004 hot topic, because 2004 was my hot topic glory days, and just like this, the car and the whole town felt like it had a strange smell to it, smoke, not very uh, the best looking people kind of shady looking you don't want to be caught alone there after dark hot topic thanks for sponsoring us <laughs> we love you, we love you. <laughs> oh mike you just killed me i it just brought me back to the old hot topic smell i i don't know why i loved that smell it was, everyone had that smell you go to any hot topic. Smell. it was just like pleather and uh like, it's like sweat must like a must <laughs> with rose paint Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so long those lines. Boys, we got way off fucking track here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of weird smells, um, so we're driving up this resort slash sanitarium. I'm going to use a lot of different words to describe this place because it's never very well defined. It's the um, set of driving to it. It's it's the set of Shutter Island. Let's, oh, let's just call I, it what it is. I'm so glad you said that because that was immediately the vibe I had from this movie was Shutter Island. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So yeah, uh, the the villagers that we're, we're driving through, and the villagers are throwing rocks at the cars. There's obviously some sort of divide between the people in that village and the people who go to this sanitarium slash resort slash Shutter Island remake. Um, anyway. So we get to the uh, entrance gates, the the typical spiky gates that you fucking love to see in like an old creepy castle. And guess what is at the top of those gates? Anyone? Anyone? 
Uh, is it escalators? No. Uh, no. Close. Eels. It's eels, Mike. Very good. Eels. <laughs> We're going to make a lot of references to that SpongeBob episode, everyone, so bear with us. Eels and escalators is going to be a pretty common theme. Um, so uh, we get the we get a little background on this castle uh, from the shitty chauffeur who's still smoking in the car. Uh, and you get the story of the last Baron on of the Von Reichmals, uh, who was so obsessed with his bloodline that he would only mate with his sister. And um, when the villagers wouldn't accept it, and when the priest would not uh, oversee the wedding, um, he renounced God. And the villagers came up to the castle um, and ultimately burned his sister alive in the catacombs while he watched, and the castle burned to the ground. Bummer. Uh, sort of, I guess. So we move through the gates, and now one of the coolest, like, like it looks like a badass old people home. They're outside, they're doing Tai Chi, they're playing croquet, badminton. Uh, they're all dressed in white. They're all pretty much Caucasian. Um, so there's definitely this kind of creepy old white people vibe. Um, but anyway, uh, he goes up to the front desk, and he says, I am here to speak with Mr. Pembroke. I need to speak with him right now. And the hot attendant is like, well, visiting hours are over, so get fucked. To which he replies, he is here to take him away, and he's being a dick, and he's a big businessman, blah, 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 and he will wait to speak to the doctor. The manager. He Karen the the hell out of her. Yeah, he Karen (laughs) it. He went full Karen. That's in my notes, just Lockhart went full Karen. Yeah, this guy's a huge cunt. He's the worst. But... (laughs) Hey, so we fast forward now to we're inside the creepy doctor's office. He is not the manager. He is the lead doctor. Um, And he has just the absolute best old creepy doctor's office. There's taxidermy animals, animals all all along the wall. Um, He has all these like super creepy medical uh, pictures, like all these super vintage like medical practices and like the old instruments. He even has one of those sweet... um, like tiny drawers that have all the files in them. You know, that old classic vintage doctor stuff. I don't know. I just got super excited by the whole scene and the way they, they framed his office. Yeah. It was, um, it was kind of like a hot topic. Kind of like a hot topic, <laughs> but with like medical instruments and crap. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. The The only thing I could think of was the way that he was talking. And uh, the way I, I wrote it down was the 17 year old thinks that he's Bruce Wayne. Because he definitely came in like a smug asshole kind of vibe, but oh, Lockhart, like, yeah, yeah, Lockhart. That's what I mean. But he's twelve and not Bruce Wayne, so I was a little offended. Yeah the the doctor I, I liked I liked the the doctor so far. He was just he, he was just shutting him down the whole time. Like he it was good to see the main character just get shut down because so far all we've known about him is that he's a giant asshole so he was like how about no and he was like well okay i'm gonna go make a phone call (laughs) but i want it okay um and if you actually look on the wall um he there's like this uh plaque engraved with the words purity before wellness uh, and you see that during their conversation, right before the doctor takes a tiny sip from a tiny vial and just looks at Lockhart and says, vitamins, all creepy like, which I loved. Yes. Um, and then he he asks him about the vitamins and the 
doctor just tells him that the the castle was built on like this special aquifer for with unique healing abilities i don't know that was weird yeah at this point uh you start to to question what the doc is going on about but like whatever it's i think uh, to clarify from earlier we were in the swiss alps but i think this definitely takes place in germany i think it's a i think everybody's speaking german i think uh all these guys are german and we kind of get that later i think <laughs> yeah, well the doctor really he was kind of like i couldn't trust him there was just some vibe about him that was very untrustworthy and you didn't know what his motives were or if there was something more sinister behind him yet yeah they, they definitely they framed him well they, they chose a good a good uh doctor for sure um so Lockhart continues to act like a dick to the doctor. Uh, um, he's like, hey, Pembroke is coming with me. Um, the doctor offers him a, a glass of water, to which Lockhart takes a sip. And, and he basically tells Lockhart it's not going to happen. Um, so Lockhart concedes and says he's going to go to the hotel and make a call, but he will be back. Um, so he hops in the chauffeur, and they start heading back to the hotel. Um, his exit, though, is definitely monitored, and we can see that from a couple different vantage points. There's a very high window that someone is definitely kind of peeking out on him, as well as, like, this creepy girl who's, like, dancing along the castle walls. It seems like in every kind of horror movie where there's a looming castle or just a big old building, there's always some creepy, ominous person that just is leering from above yeah, and I think this is where the uh, theme music comes back again as they ride their way down the mountain, up the mountain. I don't know which way they're going. They're going. I think they're going down the mountain again, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're going down. So, uh, and, and I wasn't sure if she was like a ghost. They're, they definitely like, they don't answer that for a while. You really don't know what this movie's about until you get in the thick of it. But anyway, we're heading down the mountain now. We're going to go to the hotel. And boom, they hit a deer, and there's a sick crash scene, and should wear a seatbelt. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, the the deer popping up. Uh, I think we love the imagery of the deer. Uh, but yeah, the 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 deer popping up was uh, the first jump scare in this movie. It was it was good. Did did anyone else notice how this guy drinks water? He drinks it with like duck lips. I, I, <laughs> I might have been the only one who noticed that, but my man has like straight up duck lips. Like, I like think he's you were just looking for a reason to hate him. Oh, even I hated more, this guy even more so than you really did. You were just <laughs> hyper focused on reasons to hate him. Well, I, I guess I'm going to find a picture of this duck lips drinking. So uh, I, I, hate I won't the be talking. For like, I won't I be talking the for the next twenty minutes. I'm just going to get this picture up. So uh, see you guys. This motherfucker with his goddamn duck lip drinking ass and his. <laughs> <laughs> so much hate for this guy i i'm telling you man but uh so my first thought with that sick crash scene though was that one of those three individuals either the chauffeur lockhart or the deer one of them's going up in that doctor's wall like for sure mm-hmm. but anyway so we get that we get that cool crash scene um and then we get more like hot topic imagery like the ballerina music uh, uh, there's a girl floating in the water. Is mom dead? I think mom dies. Uh, and was she dead before all this took place? 
you can't really you can't gauge it we're not sure yeah, anyway that was really weird uh, I, I got thrown off by that i was like I, I thought i looked away for like too long like a couple minutes and i was like whoa, whoa hold on but huh? well yeah so guess what now he's in the hospital he is now a patient in there and he looks down and he clearly has a broken leg that is in a cast and we see some nurses in there and we find out that he has been in there for three days and this is where we meet Director Volmer, who is the head of the resort slash sanitarium slash fucking crazy old castle. And he basically says, hey, there's no room for alarm. Uh, you've been here for three days. Uh, we've already told your work that you're here. They're very understanding and they just want you to get well. Uh, drink plenty of water. A creepy doctor says he did something for you so you don't have to do it. Don't trust him. You do it yourself. You, that was my first thought. Is is you you put your own leg in a cask? No, I'm saying if the doctor tells you we took care of her, we called your office, you don't have to call them. Don't worry, they know you're here. Don't call them. Don't call them. I called them, so you don't got to call them. You you call your office to make sure they know you're there. It might have been a red flag. Yeah, that would be a good red flag. Also, like the fucking tiny little almost microscopic baby eel that he finds in his drinking water, kind of a red flag. It just looked like a bug at this point. You're not sure what's there. Hmm? There is already a lot of, of eel imagery to this point, but... Mm-hmm. So now uh, he decides he's not going to stay in bed any longer. He's going to take his crutches and he's going to hobble about the hospital because he is still on his mission to find Pembroke. So now we kind of, we're going through the day-to-day -day, uh, within the, the sanitarium, I guess we'll call it. Um, and we're kind of exploring uh, their daily routine. And there's water aerobics. Uh, they're pretty cool visuals on the various activities because they have like that, uh, they had like that big ass window that's underneath the pool so you can see old people swimming. It would be cooler if it wasn't old people. Mm -hmm. Like chicks and bikinis would be way cooler. But <laughs> yeah, but yeah, sure, it was fine. Um, and then on that point. Uh, on the point of it would have been a lot better if there were hot younger women in bikinis instead of old ladies. Uh, I think this is where we hit our first nude meter at 31 minutes and 38 seconds when Lockhart lies to one of the attendants to try to find Mr. Pembroke and says that he is Mr. Pembroke and he forgot what his activity is. And she sends him to the uh, steam bath area. Where we walk into a whole, whole lot of old man ass. I was about to say, this is where the true horror movie begins because what's the scariest thing that you see when you go to the gym as a as a man is the really old balls. I could just smell the Ben Gay coming off of that room. It <laughs> it, it was awful. Dude, there was a whole lot of naked G Maws and G Paws, and it was gross. Well, stepping away from the uh, naked G-Maws and G-Paws for a second, this is when I really started to get Shutter Island vibes because when he gave him the other guy's name, she didn't question it at all. So that's why I thought maybe he really is this other man and he's trying to do the Leonardo DiCaprio, I'm not crazy type thing. So that's... One of the reasons that Shutter Island vibes came real heavy in this scene for me, at least. Definitely, definitely. 
yeah it's there, there's a lot of there's a lot of similarities between the two movies and we start to see that a lot more um in this scene because as we go through the steam bath area um the, i notice the hospital is like a lot larger than we realize and he's kind of walking back in like this it's like a hallway in the steam bath and all of a sudden like you know the walls kind of they're changing and now he's trapped oh no we're trapped and there's a deer there's a fucking deer that shows up in the steam bath and nope wait it's mr pembroke and that's when i was like okay this is getting real shutter islandy yeah yeah to to me the the whole movie just it felt like a poor man's Shutter Island. Well, not the whole movie, but majority of the movie felt like a poor man's Shutter Island. I hadn't, I haven't seen Shutter Island, so. Hmm. What? Yeah. Weird. Dude, that mm. is weird. I guess. It, it's coming to light that I don't watch movies because. Probably almost all of these I have never seen. Every movie that we've seen so far, I have not seen before this. I, think, I, I don't know what to do. I, th- I think I've been kicked out of the club. <laughs> all right, guys. Bye. You're canceled, Kyle. You're, you're canceled. <laughs> it's been real. Cool. So if you want to email Horrible Friends, we have an open hosting position. <laughs> That's at gmail.com. Yep. <laughs> So now we're talking to the was deer, but now it's Mr. Pembroke and we sit down and we're talking to him and we immediately get the impression that he has no intentions of coming back to the life of big business and board meetings and clicking pens. Uh, He says that he is not well. And all of a sudden they're in a room that has a big ass pool. And Pembroke says that he knew Lockhart's dad. And then we get our uh, next uh, flashback where we learn a little more about Lockhart's daddy issues because his daddy jumped off a bridge. Oops. Yep, that sums it up. (laughs) I mean, could have easily just drove to the end of the bridge. You know, there's faster ways to get across. True. Yeah. (laughs) Well, now they go back a little... They go back and forth a little bit. Uh, Since... Lockhart, uh, Lockhart kind of used the daddy card, and uh, Mr. Pembroke agrees to come back. Um, but anyway, so now we're well, we're moving forward, and he's back out in the in the yard, and we keep looking at the old ruins of the old castle. So the the castle that we're currently in was built on top of the wreckage of the old castle that was burned down, and the old people are going about their day to day, and they're pretty fun actually, um, but they seem unsettled. When Lockhart tells them that Pembroke is leaving, you know, they're, they're like, oh, so he's well? Yeah, I, this is this is when I started to get a little weirded out by the people here. Um, but yeah, uh, I thought it was pretty, pretty interesting. Everybody was like, well, no, nobody's ever well. No one ever finds the nobody cure. Nobody wants to leave. And nobody has reason to leave, whether it be by their own choice or by choice out of their hands. It seems like nobody ever wants to leave. Yeah. And now we get uh, a little more dialogue from the creepy ghost girl, who we learn is named Hannah. 
and they are on top of the castle, one of the castle walls, and we get some really beautiful shots of the mountains in the background. And uh, we, you know, get a little character development there. And we still don't really know what her deal is. Is she a ghost? What what the fuck's up with Hannah? So. The funny thing was he did ask her if something was in the water, and she told him, yes, there was. And this kind of solidified my view that there was something in the water because the doctor kept pushing on him. Oh, drink the water, have some water. And then to me, there was definitely something in the water and it had a major effect on what was going to happen. Yeah, besides her being in the only other color than, than white, effectively, for everybody in, in this whole place, I was like, all right, so... It, she's obviously something special, but what is she? And I guess we'll we'll get to that eventually. But yeah, because yeah, that was something I wanted to bring up too. That uh, as soon as Lockhart takes off the suit and puts on the uh, the, the hospital gown, it just seeps all his power out of him. He's not this like loud mouth, arrogant guy anymore. He's kind of subservient and answers to the do- <clears throat> excuse me doctors. So. The suit took all his power when he was just like everybody else in the uh, hospital at that point. Yeah, definitely. And now we move on to Lockhart. Guess what? He's mad because now he can't find Mr. Pembroke again. His room is now empty. Uh, and he's like, what, what the fuck is happening? So he's tired of this. And now we're going to go confront uh, Dr. Vollmer at dinner. And he's tired of the runaround. So he's shouting at Dr. Vollmer. And all of a sudden, Lockhart starts conveniently bleeding from the nose during this exchange uh, with Vollmer. Uh, and it kind of boosts the doctor's point that he is not well. And then we go into an examination room uh, on Lockhart uh, where they start examining him. And did you guys notice that, like, the doctor pulls a file on Lockhart already? Like, that is bad news if he already has a file there. Yeah. yeah I did not notice that. Yeah, because he had it, he had it on his hand, and I think he was putting it away. Is is what that was, and then that's when he notices the the filing cabinet. But I mean, he did get his leg worked on, so you could kind of go in that direction, where he they made a file for him, I guess. But yeah, he wasn't in a day. I don't know, man. Whatever. A file that just has one page: patient Lockhart, status broken leg. And that's it. Yeah, it was worth it. Yeah. Dude, even still, uh, I wouldn't like it. That's that's creepy. But uh, so during uh, the time that Pembroke will be recovering, because that's the story that the uh, that the doctor gives him, he says that uh, Lockhart should be receptive to like two days of treatment, you know, so he can recover better. Um, to which Lockhart agrees, and it's kind of more so that he can he can stay in that room and get to. Uh, the filing cabinet where he finds Pembroke's file and he stuffs it away. We also get a little more background on the Baroness. We see her locket in Dr. Vollmer's uh, study um, and we get a little more backstory. She she was apparently sick. She was also pregnant. That's true, yeah. And at some point he goes and he is like snooping around and he finds like this uh <clears throat> like uh the sample 
the, the sample area for like the urine samples and he's just like he's just touching the little canisters of pee of course like, i just wrote down like why are you touching all that pee bro yeah i wrote down ew chunky pee gross yep <laughs> all right and now we s skip ahead and we're seeing some of the uh the two days of the treatment that lockhart's agreed upon and the first thing we're going to go into um you know like all doctors offices is a like two-story giant ass sensory deprivation chamber because they naturally are two stories yeah, I mean, and the, the one i went uh, to at my allergist was only one story but yeah it's normal uh, you went to a deprivation tank sure no this is a joke mm. oh, okay <laughs> got him I mean, Joe Rogan keeps telling me how great they are. So oh, I need to check one out. <laughs> okay. Before you explain what happens, uh, I just want to say these are the words that I wrote down. And I watched this uh, a little bit ago now. Uh, so I have no bra, hard nips, jerking off, eels, drugs, drowning. So th those are those are all of your uh, key words for this scene just before it's even explained. So now if you could just put all those words together in a coherent thought. We'd have a great, great sound cloud. Oh, yes, that'd be great. I'd be happy to do that. And yeah, Dan, no, that sums it up. Because here's the thing. Our our boy Lockhart's here in the sensory deprivation fucking house, basically. And all of a sudden, this not-so-attractive nurse comes in and just takes out her boobies. And the guy who's supposed to be watching Lockhart in the deprivation chamber just starts beating off i mean getting it he, he's, he's going at it man like it was and a ritual he was just she walks in and he's like time. all right <laughs> oh it's 4 15 again okay you can set your watch to it <laughs> oh it was at this moment that i said to myself i thought i was watching cure for wellness not fast and the furious get it nope because he was <laughs> nope. he was beating it real fast and furious i got it i am okay. definitely putting crickets there anyone noticed that he added his uh other hand at some point i put i that's what i noticed though he, <laughs> this guy is double fisting his dick to beat off to this lady <laughs> and also how instantly like which is Jarvis is going to get to this, but like he tells Lockhart, don't worry, I'll be right here. These machines monitor your vitals. If anything goes wrong, I'll know it immediately. And the shit does go wrong and everything is beeping and basically like screaming, hey, something's wrong. But he's just. <laughs> he was real distracted. He was into it. I mean, he was using the, the sound of the vitals. I think he was like increasing the speed when the vitals were going up like with, with every oh, with every you... beep he he increased his uh strokeness yeah it, it's it's what yeah. they tell you about uh when you're giving cpr right you got to think of the song like staying alive he was just beating it to the same beat mm -hmm. it's all good i was about to say he has to stay in tempo so as that increases its tempo he has to increase his tempo yeah all good so yeah uh so now we, we we have kind of a situation on our hands because this guy's jerking himself off. That lady's boobies are out, and our our main character is in this giant separate sensory deprivation chamber. And guess what's in there with him? A whole bunch of fucking escalators. Oh, like, <laughs> <that's right. laughs> 
You were close. Ugh. <laughs> and there's, dude, there, there's like a ton of fucking eels in there, man. Like, how the fuck did they get in there? Can Can we just imagine how much better this movie would be if it was just all escalators in there instead of you? <laughs> a wise man once said that escalators never break. They just become stairs. Thank you, Mitch Hedberg. We love you. I said, I said a wise man once said. Yeah, we love you. We do love him. What do eels become when they die? Escalators. Okay. <laughs> Moving <laughs> on. I cannot argue that. Ah, food chain. Yes. <laughs> so now Lockhart's being swarmed by all these eels that aren't biting him or anything. They're just, they're, it's just a ton of fucking eels around him. But what they do is they knock out his oxygen mask. So now we get this kind of visual that he's slowly descending and drowning into these eels while our guy is fucking still beating it outside of the outside of the tank. And we get a, a lot of dark imagery again. And boom, uh, the, the top of the sensory deprivation chamber is opened. And the attendants are suddenly pretty fucking cavalier about the fact that they just let this man drown. If you ignore the problem, it's like it never happened. Yep. Well, I mean, the one guy, there's a reason why he was in such good mood. I would be too. (laughs) Nothing was going to get him down at that point. No, he was up all the way from there. (laughs) No one can stop him. He's all the way up. You can't beat his work ethic. Masturbating. It's like that Carlos Santana song, right? Beat it. Right, guys? Right? Oh, right. yeah. Carlos Santana. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, that was a deep cut one. That's a deep cut joke that no one will get. That one's for us, guys. That one's for us. <laughs> it's for us. We have to explain that to Jarvis later. Yeah. Later. Yeah, thanks, Dan. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so anyway. now Lockhart's, Lockhart's back in his room now and he's admittedly probably pretty annoyed the fact that he just fucking drowned while this dude was beating his dick um, but he's he's sitting in his room he hears like some really unsettling noises coming from the toilet we'll get to that later um, and now it's the next day and he sees Mrs. Watkins who is one of the sweet old ladies who is always outside and they're always trying to engage with Mr. Mr. Lockhart and she is out there with her crossword puzzles, but she's doing a little more. She's like, she's using them to like solve this mystery in her head. Um, and she tells him that there is some sort of terrible darkness here. I got to tell you, solving mysteries with a bunch of grandmas sounds like a lot of fun. Like this place seems pretty sweet. Yeah, she she became my favorite character very quickly. I was I was all about her. It it. I liked her and she was a good she was definitely a good addition kind of like bring the sanity back I guess yeah, she definitely. was a stereotypical uh, character in a movie where at first you think that they're the crazy one because they say all these odd things that like, you can't like agree with or you can't understand but as the movie goes on it's like Wait a second. She's the only sane one here. So I really liked her as a character. She was very uh, interesting, and she led the plot pretty well, too. Yeah, definitely. Um, so as as we're talking to uh, Mrs. Watkins, we see more of the, the old castle that's kind of in the center of the courtyard, and we hear some noises, and we're approached by the creepy old grounds dude. 
who when asked by Lockhart, like, hey, he's like, what's what's behind this door? And he goes, Vasa. Now, Chris and I uh, pretty much did none of our homework in German class. Um, but can anyone else tell me what Wasser means? Wasser? Um, I, I, I think I think it's water. Is it water? It is water. It, it is water. It is water. Good Kyle. No, it's eels. You did it. Oh, man. Oh. Son of a bitch. Anyway, uh, now we see Hannah and Lockhart, who agreed to go on a tandem bike ride into town. She left the gate, and immediately my first thought was, okay, so she's not a ghost. This is not a ghost story. Cool. All right, at least I know it's not one of these things. I'm still not sure what this movie is, but it's not a ghost story. Um, and we're driving into, or we're riding our bike into town, and we go into the bar where everyone is like fucking 16, um, except for the chauffeur who is in there drinking, and he is alive. He didn't die from the crash. Yeah, he does look pretty beat up and drunk. Oh, yeah, he does. Well, he's enjoying that money he got from the. Um... The wellness center. The, the settlement? Settlement, he got a bunch of money. Because he said he was able to buy a new car and uh, get drunk. He probably called J.G. Wentworth. I do it doesn't take cash now. <laughs> I do want to say that th- this actually was part of the scene. The scene before this was where I realized how our little 12-year-old hero became so successful. And it was the moment that he traded that piece of garbage that his dead mom gave him for a bike i was like my man knows how to trade like (laughs) charisma level 20 what (laughs) the fuck what a barterer yeah i that's right i I forgot about that i i liked uh, i liked the scene at the bar actually the the whole thing all of it but specifically the beginning it was kind of nice to see a break from the characters because she's she's still unknown we've only seen her for like two minutes and then uh we see him walk in i see them walk in together and they they have like a beer together and it's just it's actually like kind of a cute scene i was like all right this movie's going in a direction and it it did not it did not go in a direction it went into many directions (laughs) yeah it really did it this whole thing is very convoluted um at least the first time the first time watching it i found it very convoluted but we do get a little bit of background story on Hannah. Um, it is that her mother died in a fire when she was very young. And now I feel like a plot is forming. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> that- and of course, Lockhart, Lockhart does what everyone does at this moment. He leaves her in the bar where she's never been alone because um, he is irresponsible. Can we play another round of my favorite game, which is I'm going to give you some key words for the next scene. And Please do. Completely out of context. And then Jarvis will give you the context. All right. So our, our fun new words are um, eels, cow fetus, and no blood. Yep. I, uh... The password is... Escalators. <laughs> <laughs> so let me translate some of those words for you in a way that makes sense. Because Lockhart is has left Hannah irresponsibly, but with a mission. Uh, he is going to find someone who can translate Pembroke's file. And he finds him in a barn, drinking, very drunk. 
uh, and he starts to decipher all of the the language that Lockhart doesn't understand. Um, to when we find out that uh, Mr. Pembroke is chronically dehydrated, um, and then we get more backstory on the Baron and Baroness. So we find out that he wasn't looking for the cure because she was sick. It was rather he was looking for the cure because she was infertile. And then he goes and slices a baby calf out of a cow and there are eels in there. And I just went, Jesus fucking Christ. What the fuck is this movie? Scene got to me, too. Yeah, when he was like, I got to take care of this cow. It's dying. And I was like, okay. And he got the knife. I'm like, I know these things have to happen. And then he just went straight for the stomach. I was like, that's not how you do it. Come on. He did it. He just did like it. a box cutter. Like an exacto knife. <laughs> Cutter. I could I could understand trying to put an animal out of its misery, but you don't use a box cutter. Well, maybe you don't. Uh-huh. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> the trick is to use a snail cleaver, as we found out in the past. <laughs> yes, uh, and then you can get fifty-three cows with a snail cleaver. No, he never got his fifty-third one. Oh. You never get fifty-three. You never right. get fifty-three, Kyle. Rip. R for respect. <laughs> F. <laughs> and now Hannah is all alone in the bar. And obviously she puts music on the jukebox. Someone gives her a dime or a nickel or whatever the fuck. And this is old Papa Wiggleby sweet shop. And the jukebox goes and she's doing a weird fucking dance. And the weird goth boys are all around her. They're trying to dance with her. A fight breaks out with Lockhart and one of the weird dudes. And Volmer breaks it up. He has followed them. He has found them. And we see some of this like weird daddy dom and like patient relationship between Dr. Vollmer and Hannah, which is always alluded to. But like, what the fuck, man? I was really confused how no one in that bar was trying to break up the rape. Like everyone was just grabbing their beers, just like, yep, yep, just a Tuesday. Here we go. Yeah, it it was very weird and like the the cyberpunk goth uh music playing in the background where she was just uh oddly i guess you'd say oddly dancing but she just started ballroom dancing i guess i don't know but yeah that that was that was a weird scene yeah there's no shortage of weird fucking everything in this movie weird imagery weird dancing whatever so we're we're fast forwarding now and we're back at the resort slash sanitarium slash whatever the fuck this place is and lockhart is in his room and he wakes up from a dream where he is thinking about hannah naked Uh uh-oh but she's in the tub and she's surrounded by you guessed it fucking eels and he wakes up and lockhart just rips his tooth out he just pulls it right out just yep yep yanks it right out just a tuesday teeth scenes in movies are the few one of the few things that get to me like i just i don't like to watch people like pulling their teeth out or getting their teeth knocked out and then he just he hands it to the nurse who takes it like just barehanded and says, yeah i'll take care of this yeah you're saying if we had a foot with teeth oh. for toenails. Oh, that's horrible. The teeth. That's horrible. <laughs> uh, teeth and toes. Uh, if if any of you want to make some fan art, uh, we would appreciate some feet with some nope. toes being clipped. Nope. That'd be nope. great. Will not look. I, I think feet I'm made up of teeth. 
Yeah. Feet made of teeth would be great. <laughs> so now that Lockhart has ripped his tooth out, um, we we can infer that he is dehydrated, like Mr. Pembroke. And we're off to find Pembroke again, because I'm sure it's been like fucking two days by now. Um, and Pembroke is in the transfusions flugel. Yes, I learned that word means wing. It does mean wing. I learned that too. <laughs> Did you? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's in the transfusion transfusion wing. That's why apparently the uh, hey, ready for this? Flugelhorn means winged horn. <laughs> oh, uh, well, learn something else. Yeah, learn something today. That makes sense. Does it? Okay. <laughs> All right, and now he's he's exploring more, trying to find Mr. Pembroke. Uh, and we pass by, like, a laundry room where there's, like, old people who are smoking, like, a ton of cigarettes while shucking or shaving carrots. Uh-huh. And there's old people being tortured down there, and Mrs. Watkins is one of them. And I wrote down, these fucking krauts, how dare you? <laughs> Yeah, she she was like at this point her earlier one of her earlier scenes she she looked pretty worse for wear and this one she looked she literally looked like she was dying like she was already died and dried up. So I was like, "No, the best character, no." Uh but luckily, uh she talks to Mr. Lockhart and we get a little more backstory on the Baroness and we find out that in her in her findings, Mrs. Watkins found out that she was in fact pregnant the night of the wedding, and the baby was cut from the womb and thrown into the aquifer. However, it survived, and she, the last thing we hear from Mrs. Watkins is she doesn't know. And then we see a fucking eel wriggling in her body. And this is the first time I wrote down. It's like eels and escalators, except the escalator is variation in the story arc. And uh oh, nope, it's eels again. Because <laughs> it's the same thing over and over. That's good. You know, at this point, I asked myself, how did the orderlies get these jobs? Do you think that they applied through Indeed? And like, if they did, what was the job description for this? I bet it was monster.com, Dan. Ooh. Oh, that's a good one. That's that was good. One. Oh, um, All right. Um, and now we escape to the nurse. Uh, we escape the nurses uh, that are now chasing Lockhart uh, to the room where they pickle old people in giant fucking windows of, of water. Uh, like, it was weird. It, it reminded me of something out of like Resident Evil. There's just a bunch of like old people who are just pickled along the walls and bum 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 Mr. Pembroke is among them. And I, like before you move on, I am so happy you mentioned Resident Evil because this whole movie felt like a video game to me. Because every time the main character was trying to Lockhart was trying to uh, find out more information. He had to go find talk to another NPC. He just went down the road and talked to somebody who gave him a small snip, a snippet of more information. And he goes down a hallway and he like investigates a thing and he gets a little bit more information. He talks to another NPC who gives him a little. It, it started to piece together like a video game and it was really weird. And I was uh, at this point I was like, yeah, it does feel like Resident Evil, except it just not at all. 
it's just one long fetch quest. Yeah, absolutely. I, I could give you the information that you want, but I need you to go collect four turtle shells before I can help you. Except this time it was uh, five eels. <laughs> Definitely eels. And we see like this little convulsion from uh, Mr. Pembroke, like in his tank. So like. Is, is he alive? Is he dead? Is this part of the treatment? What the fuck is happening? And this is where I really started getting confused because there there is just no consistency with the story at all. Like, we don't know what is going on yet. But it freaks Lockhart enough that he runs out into the hallway and guess who we see? Yup, it's Balmer. And he approaches Lockhart and he sees, oh, you're you're missing one of your teeth. And he decides then and there to do a dental exam. So we go back into Lockhart's office, and of course, there's a jar, a giant jar of teeth, and we get a really, really upsetting dental torture scene. Yeah, I, I couldn't watch. Uh, I was so uncomfortable. Yeah, that man can whistle real well after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did, I did learn, and we can talk about it in the. Uh in the special effects part, but I did learn how they, they did that scene, which really wasn't that big of a deal, but it was pretty cool. Man, he sacrificed his own tooth for that uh, yep. method. <laughs> Dude, that, that scene was rough, man. That was that was one of the, like, the worst scenes of the whole movie. The drill straight through the front tooth. Yeah. Oy. I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. Well, at some point after this, uh, Lockhart escapes uh, in the driver's car, the chauffeur's new car that is Wait. not destroyed from a deer. Th this part was so confusing because I was like, all right, so they just drilled my man's tooth. And then they were like, all right, you're good now. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of like, here. There was like no restraining him. He just like made a run for it. <laughs> he was just like, all right, well, I'm going to I'm going to leave now. And they're like, OK, we'll see you in like 20 minutes when we torture you again. Yeah, I, I, that was weird. I guess they, all right, have a good one. I guess they knew that he would always be back. You always come back. <laughs> Get out of here, you little scamp. Yeah. So now he's he's in this car that he's just stolen after being tortured because um, I guess he was let go of his from his restraints. <laughs> And uh, he drives into town uh, where he starts reporting everything to the one policeman who's in the town. Uh, yeah. No, yeah, there's just the one. It's just the one guy. Just the one. What? Uh, the guy. Why the fuck did he go there? Just go to the fucking plane. Get the hell out of there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think that the. I'd rather go to jail. Uh, fair, but I think that the I think that the guy, the chauffeur, would have probably taken him to the airport if he had been like, "They're murdering people." Even like, "Yeah, okay, that's fine. Let's get you out of here." <laughs> so he was like, "Take me to the police." And then when he got there, he was like, "Let's go back." I was like, "Dude, <laughs> you don't go back to the place you just fought so hard to escape from." Well, he didn't fight that hard, right? They that's let escaping one hundred and one. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, and so the uh, the policeman who takes his story down, uh, he sees that Lockhart's clearly distraught, and he's nursing the wound in his mouth from the drill to the fucking tooth, and he offers him some water to calm him down, and he's like, you got anything stronger? So he just starts chugging some whiskey, which that's got to be like the worst thing for like that injury. 
yeah i think my penis went inside of me when he did that i was like i can feel that i was like oh my goodness a hole through the tooth a missing I mean, tooth yeah i was gonna say besides just the hole in the tooth like he just pulled a tooth out a couple hours ago so he still has this fresh open wound in his mouth I like it. the whiskey should dull the pain no after the fact but during the the drink that's gotta burn that's gotta burn a lot <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what they used to do with, like, babies when they were teething? They used to put a little whiskey on their gums to, like, dull the pain. Or just really get the baby drunk. That's what it was really doing. That's exactly what it was doing, yes. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> I think I would just like to be, like, a little kid and just, like, take the water in my mouth and then suck it through, like, the tooth hole and then, be like, like spit it back out and be like, <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> I'm a fountain. <laughs> I don't know why that was so funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Anyway, um so now Lockhart is is sitting there, he's drinking his whiskey, I'm sure, uh painfully, and he's starting to kind of just gaze around the the room in the police station. The officer said he'll be right back. So Lockhart's in there alone, and he starts getting up and looking at all kind of the weird trinkets on his wall. And he notices a very familiar blue tie on the bookshelf, uh, along with some very old vintage police guard trinkets on the shelf. Like, like very old. Uh, did anyone else notice those? Like, they were like hundreds of years old. It's now, some, he could I, be a collector. Yes, some were hundreds. Some were also, hmm, what was that, 60, 70 years ago? Uh, yeah, that they, they were like World War II German Nazi the paraphernalia <laughs> it's it's called german paraphernalia <laughs> this man was a collector of german artifacts he yes. definitely was not a nazi sympathizer definitely not yeah there definitely wasn't an, any nazi uh science experiments because i definitely wrote that down i was like okay so it's all just nazi experiments cool <laughs> i'm sure everything's fine Speaking of everything's fine, now the police walks in with Dr. Vollmer, and he is freaking out. So he grabs I, I, he, he grabs something. Was it a knife? Yeah, that, that was actually a knife. Okay, that was a knife. Uh, he grabs a knife, and he's like, no, that's the guy who did this to me. And uh, he starts rattling off about how he killed Mr. Pembroke. And guess who walks the fuck in the room? Mr. Pembroke. And that's when we're, everyone is like, how, how is this possible? What is going on? I didn't expect it. I thought because he was in the water, just like everybody else. I was like, okay, well, he's just dead. That's the end of that character. But I, yeah, I just thought he was busy being a pickle. <laughs> he was in a pickle for sure. Yeah, definitely. You know how I feel about pickles. Cylindrical objects, if I remember Cylindrical correctly. Cylindrical foods are <laughs> untrustworthy and unnatural. The best, the best foods are shaped like dicks. Are you saying you don't like like hot dogs? I could give or take a hot dog. I'm, I'm more of a cheeseburger person than hot dog. That's barbecue item number one. But isn't a cheeseburger just a flattened cylinder? <laughs> isn't anything just a flattened cylinder? No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, time is a flat cylinder. I don't think that's the phrase, but that's okay. <laughs> We have gone way off the rails with this one. All right. <laughs> so now we're back in the hospital. Uh, we're back in Lockhart's room, and we hear a metallic clink of the toilet again. 
and Lockhart is like distraught, but he opens the top of the toilet and out of the top of the toilet is like 50 eels. Who gave like an upper decker of eels to Lockhart's toilet? (laughs) (laughs) The the answer is no one because it's just like an illusion. Kind of. He's... and at this point, I think Lockhart is like, he's lost all sanity. Because from there, we see kind of this this montage of him writing to his company about how he is not he is not well. Um, and the, the lines of reality for him are starting to blur. He, he's starting to accept that he is now a patient. And in his writing, uh, he writes uh, that he, that man cannot unsee the truth, uh, which is his moment of clarity, actually, as he writes that, because... He decides then and there to just smash the glass of water that's on his desk and to cut the cast on his leg. And we learn that his leg is not broken. In fact, it was probably never broken. Yeah. The, and now we're the letter that he was writing. It was the same words that the uh, that Pembroke wrote. Yeah, I had that, too. That yeah, was it was like, like oh, yeah, made him word for word the same thing. Yeah. I. Oh, OK. Yeah. I didn't notice that. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, I was like, oh, okay, so everybody just starts to break down in the exact same way and then sends a letter home to people or whatever for whatever reason. And then, yeah. It's the circle of life. Well, and now we're off to explore the old ruins because we're like, fuck this. Now, the, I mean, there's been a whole lot of fishy things going on, but I, I guess that, I guess his leg not being broken was the fishiest of all. Um, <laughs> Eeliest of all. <laughs> I should have known. <laughs> so we're off to explore the old castle ruins now. And we open the door, and it sure looks like a death shoot to me. And we hear all the the Vassar moving along in the catacombs. There's just like a there's like a large body of water in the catacombs under the current castle that uh all of our characters are in. And we find like this old laboratory kind of centered in the middle of like this cave with a whole lot of jarred and dissected eels, uh, medical renderings of eels, lots of jarred babies um, and a bunch of classic creepy vintage doctor stuff, which I thought was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And over the ruins of a fireplace, we see the Baroness who bears a striking resemblance to one of our now major characters, Hannah. Hmm. The story is starting to unfold. Who could Fun it be? After nearly two hours. <laughs> yeah, th- this it's movie, a big build. Yeah, it's a huge build. <laughs> two hours in, you're like, okay, and and then finally this happens. You're like, ah. Uh. I kind of thought it was like a roller coaster. You know, like the beginning of the roller coaster where you just up, 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 and you're building suspense. But if it was like a solid ten minutes of just going up, and you're just like. What what's happening? I don't. I, I don't know. Any day now. Anyway, uh, so uh, Lockhart sees one of the carts um, that was taken down the what we think is definitely like a body shoot, and he walks over, uh, walks down some stairs, goes to the cart, and we see our beloved Mrs. Watkins is dead in on the cart. Yeah, did, did anybody else think that the stairs could have been replaced by escalators and it would have been better? Oh, so much better. Way better. Hands down. <laughs> Hands down better. 
Yeah, I was. I was. And we get kind of, I was actually sad to see Miss Watkins like full on dead. I wasn't sure it was gonna. I mean, I knew what was gonna happen to her, but still. Yeah, super bummed. But uh, we get some dual imagery here as Lockhart was descending the stairs to see Mrs. Watkins ultimately dead. Uh, we also see Hannah going down some stairs into a pool. Um, and we're noticed, and obviously there's some sort of connection here. So as Lockhart sees that Mrs. Watkins is dead, uh, Hannah is in the pool and she begins her period in the water. And we see like the cloud of blood. And now eels are starting to come out of the vents in the pool. And I was kind of terrified that she was going to like give birth to eels at this point. I wasn't sure where they were going. <laughs> Same. Yeah, I also had that fear. Or she was going to get or she was going to get impregnated by the eel. And I was like, ah, this is ugh. Uh, which one would have been worse? Giving birth or being in. Uh, hmm. I mean, ultimately, one would lead to the other. So. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I just wrote no eels. No. At that point. <laughs> <laughs> you could just say no eels. No. And be talking about one of dozens of different eel scenes in this You're- movie. Not wrong. <laughs> so, uh, to break up this scene, the groundskeeper, the creepy groundskeeper, the creepy German groundskeeper, brings down another body, and he just chucks it in the water. It is devoured instantly by eels. Um, and the groundskeeper notices that something's out of place, and he ultimately finds Lockhart, and they begin to fight. Uh the groundskeeper's like trying to bash his brains in with a with a shovel, and Lockhart gets the best of him and bashes his brains out with a rock. Uh, from there, Lockhart rushes out, and him and Hannah meet in the hall. And I think Hannah is just like super weirded out because she doesn't know what, what's happening. Clearly, this is this is like her first period, um, and she ends up actually like punching Lockhart because she's just so uncomfortable and she's she's freaking out and she doesn't really know how to respond. And so she goes to her comfort zone, which is Dr. Vollmer, who is surprised when he sees that her dress is covered in blood. But ultimately, she is very he is very happy when he sees that she is menstruated. Weird. Yep. Yep. Super weird. Super weird. Super cool. Wait, at this point, can I just say the whole time I've been freaked out because she clearly has the mind of like, a child and everyone is just trying to bang her and it just feels very creepy like everyone's like a pedophile in this movie yeah i i couldn't get uh i couldn't get a feel for what they were trying to portray her as age-wise but already lockhart's real weird about it that the the german dancy boy was kind of weird it was super weird about it and rapey and then uh and then now we have this it just doesn't get any better no. Better is not a, the word I would use. I think he just literally means it doesn't get any better. Because it just gets worse. It just gets worse, yeah. <laughs> it's just going to keep getting worse. I think he wasn't going with the, ha, oh, it doesn't get any better than this. It literally, it can't actually get better. Yeah, that's what I sounded like. That's for you. It's, all, it's about tone. It's about cadence and tone. You say, I mean, I, could, I kind of picked out the tone there. Like, it doesn't get any better. doesn't get any better than this, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> High school girls, am I right? 
Oh, yeah. God. Well, there's definitely a tone shift here because after he gets punched in the face, uh, Lockhart rushes in behind Hannah. This is in, like, the, the large dining room, by the way. And he starts confronting Balmer in front of all the patients. And he's just like, you know, the, they need to know what you're doing to them. You're killing them. You're the reason they're not getting any better. They were never sick in the first place. And then all the patients start kind of, like, standing up. And he's like, yeah, 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 let's uprise. Fuck Balmer. And then they start to, like, zombie kind of some zombie tactics and they all start crowding around him was it mind control yeah this part really like showed um that these people are here they're all older right so they're all convinced that they're gonna get a um like cure to live forever at this point like and they are just all in on that idea so that that's what i got from this part I actually I, I got concreted in that in my mind uh the fact that at least the orderlies but also maybe uh maybe all the the patients as well are actually mind controlled because he the doctor was like you you shouldn't do that you uh you really shouldn't say that here and he's like fuck you I'm going to say it anyway and uh that's when all the patients go up I I feel like there's a hive mind thing going on and I I had, I had the feeling earlier as well um and yeah, I don't know. I it got concreted here for me. Definitely. So now we're down back to the old flugel, the old the old wing that we found Mr. Pembroke in. Mr. Pembroke is in the it looks like a uh one of those old chambers for uh what did, what did we what what disease did we solve all those years ago? What was it? Uh the iron, yeah, they that were probably, iron lung. They were iron lungs, yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't remember which disease that is. Uh, we can Google it. It was probably like measles or mumps or some crap like that. That was like deadly to people. Malaria. Yeah, it's one of them. Who cares? Anyway, uh, <laughs> we solved it. And uh, and now we get uh, the more some more background on the water and the Baron. This whole movie is just like background, background, background on top of background. And, but we find out that the cure that everyone's always talking about is actually a mixture of the eel water with the human fluids from all the willing participants, um, which started from the peasants from hundreds of years ago. Yeah, um, it, it was polio, by the way. But yeah, uh, called it. Th- thanks, polio. thanks, Chris. Uh, yeah, I. I was I was confused with the with the dilution of human. <laughs> it didn't make any sense. There's a lot of that in this movie. No. Yeah. It just compounds. So and then all of it ultimately ends in our character getting a uh a throat tube shoved down his throat and a big old glass canister of water and eels is about to be pumped into his body. You know, the weirdest that, part about that, it, it wasn't the eels going into his stomach. It was the eel poop going into his stomach. I don't know if anyone else saw that. Oh, there was a lot mm-hmm. of poop in there. Oh, I saw Oh, God. And that made me want to vomit. It was like when your beer, like a craft beer settles, then you pour it into a can or into a glass, even though they're like, drink it out of the can because you don't want to see what's at the bottom of this shit. And then you're like, oh, that's that's why. But it's eel poop. That's why they said that. 
that shouldn't be one of the selling points of your beer. It's like it tastes good, just don't look at it. Don't <laughs> look <laughs> at the bottom. You literally just ruined craft beers for me forever. Like I'm only gonna think of eel poop from now on. You'll be fine. Just drink a couple. You'll be okay. <laughs> That's true. That's actually what hops is. Nope. Hops is just poop. Eel poop. We figured it out, it's boys. Just eel poop. <laughs> anyway, so we get a whole lot of like cre- creepy banter from the doctor, where he says that disease is the cure for the human condition. Um, because only then is there hope for a cure. So it was actually kind of like some decent monologue. Um, and that's the last we see of, of Lockhart for a little while. Uh, and then we shift over to Hannah, who is given uh, a gift of a brand new pretty blue dress uh, from Volmer. And he's like, you're a woman now. Here you go. Uh, Lockhart. Yeah, Lockhart is clearly brainwashed at this point. His teeth are back, uh, and he's, like, chilling in the courtyard in a wheelchair. The scenes are obviously disjointed, like the rest of the movie. Um, And Hannah hands him back the porcelain ballerina that he, earlier in the film, traded to her for the bike. And I think that's kind of when he starts coming to. And now we're on to the uh, white cloak semi-satanic rituals that are about to happen. And it kind of sure looked like a wedding. Yeah, I, I think in the um, I, I, when you go and like Google the hell out of this, it, it definitely calls this the wedding scene. Like the Internet has called this the wedding scene. Uh, I don't it was very it was much a blur. It just happened like in 10 minutes. Yep. so now uh, Volmer gives uh gives Hannah the Baroness's locket. Um, and now we're now the scene's going back and forth between Hannah and Volmer. Um, and the like, like the, the secret society looking ballroom dancing, uh, which is, we assume is all part of the web, the wedding. Um, Lockhart is slowly snapping out of it. So he is, you know, slowly making his way uh, to the area where everyone else is. And this is where we get the big reveal. Volmer is the Baron from hundreds of years ago. The Viles have been keeping him young and alive for hundreds of years. Hannah is his daughter, who is also hundreds of years old. If anyone was super uncomfortable thinking that she was like 14 with all like the weird sexual uh, advances everyone else was making to her. But but she but she was. Um, she, she was definitely she like was. 14. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah, is like a like, year old, 14 year old. All right. This is like the uh, the anime cartoon argument where it's like, no, but they're thousands of years old. They're just in a 14 year old's body. It's okay. I was said I just didn't want to shit on anime too much because I already do enough. Like, I don't watch <laughs> cartoons. That's what I call them. But that, that is the argument a lot of the uh, anime fans have. It's like, it's okay. She's really a. F- 800 year old sorcerer she only looks like she's 12 yeah the, it's, it's still not okay yeah it's it's a whole thing i i'm i'm not going into that rabbit hole moving on <laughs> but j- just to say as a side not against the anime but i've just seen that argument before <laughs> yeah just yeah well if you want to move on it's only going to get more uncomfortable because even though now that we found out that hannah is like a hundred is it like hundreds of years old maybe i don't know um we definitely start uh we start off this scene pretty uncomfortably because balmer rips off her shirt and we see hannah's boobs right around two hours and ten minutes in 
Man, if if one rape scene wasn't enough for you guys, here's another one. Oh boy. Yay. That was so uncomfortable. It's it's never a like a happy feeling to be so unhappy to see boobs. Yeah. Yeah. I just kept thinking, Lucius Malfoy, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up because now Lockhart is there and they start fighting. And this is like after Volmer literally peels off his fucking face. And oh. now, yeah, like the Green Goblin is now fighting Two Face slash uh, <laughs> Mr. Malfoy. <laughs> I. I love the fact that, in my mind, um, Lucius Malfoy has the power of eels. Like, that's all I can think of. Like, this guy's been taking all of his eel nutrients. Just so, at this very moment, when he was ready for the fight, he has all the power of an eel. That's all the power you need. He is very strong. He's a strong boy for, like, a couple hundred years old. And his plans have been foiled by Lockhart. All he was trying to do was just slither into his daughter. Ugh. No. No. (laughs) I hate that joke. (laughs) (laughs) Well, luckily, uh, (laughs) the movie's almost at its end. Uh, one of the candles that gets knocked over ultimately in the fight goes through a vent up into one of the top corridors where the creepy uh, cult ballroom dancing is happening, and now the castle is starting to burn down. Some obvious callbacks to the story we've been hearing about over and over throughout the whole movie about the old castle burning down. Um, uh, so, old boy gets... Uh, Gets the upper hand, eventually throwing Volmer into the, the water. Or he took a shovel to his face and he falls into the eels. Uh, Volmer is eaten by the eels. The castle's burning down. Uh, we run out and we see all the patients like dancing in the courtyard, much as the villagers did hundreds of years back. Uh, Hannah grabs the bike and says it's time to go, and they they are driving down. Uh, they crash into the chauffeur again. This guy sucks at driving. <laughs> Uh, and this time he's chauffeuring the board from Lockhart's company who gets out of the car and they're like, where have you been? What the hell has been going on? And Lockhart is just like, eh, fuck you. I'm not going. And this is inferring that he has been cured and they just ride their bike into the night and we fade to black. And that's why this whole movie was just clearly an attack on capitalism. Am I right? Like, yeah. It, yeah, it was pretty heavy handed on that. Yeah, it was like Wall Street bad living in the mountains in the Swiss Alps because you live in a gorgeous castle is good. They didn't really <laughs> need two and a half hours to tell me that. Yeah. Oh, man, that you just knocked out three quarters of all of my notes was that. Holy shit. Why the fuck was this movie so long? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, let's let's get into some uh, some stuff and we can talk about how we didn't like the length of this movie. I agree, though. It was it was a little too a little too long. Uh, do we have a shout out today? She do have a shout out today. Now, staying with the theme, I know how uh, great a facility this place was to cure any kind of issues you have. 
But uh, my first choice is always uh, Amazing Dave's Pain Management and Magic School. Because every time I have an injury, I go to Amazing Dave's. And with a quick abracadabra and wave of his hands, the pain just goes away. He has taught me so many things over the years, like proper stretching techniques and how to saw my wife in half. Does it hurt here? Is this your card? Does it hurt here? Is this your card? The answer is both is yes, Dave. Turns out the problem all along was I had a rabbit stuck between my third and fourth vertebrae. You better believe Dave pulled it right out with the showmanship only he knows how. With every visit, you get one free magical card, and after only 52 visits, you get a full deck. Amazing Dave's Pain Management and Supplies... And Amazing Dave's Pain Management and Magic School, we love you. And thank you for that. Uh, moving forward, we're going to go ahead and move on to cinematics. So... Cinematics. Uh, this movie won awards for its cinematics at uh, some of the horror fests. Uh, it was it was great. It, it was the, the the shots were sweeping. Uh, they they it was actually filmed in Germany, right near the Swiss Alps, I guess. Uh, and it, it the everything about this castle was great. Uh, the, they knew what they were doing when the the cinematographer came on scene. He was like, "Yep." gonna go ahead and set up this shot just so they can walk across this balcony because you get all of the actual beautiful mountain ranges and it was it was great i don't know uh claustrophobic feels like we have felt another especially in the um in the like underground area in the 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 flugel area uh we had the, the the nasty scenes inside of the uh the tanks and everything uh, it, it was just good it was great uh, I love, the shots were fantastic may have been two hours too many shots or at least an hour too long but still it was good i agree with you it was very well shot there was some beautiful lighting and framing but the movie did drag on and the scenes did kind of carry on way longer than they had to yeah they reused a couple scenes uh the setups and, and everything and I, I was i was surprised by that but they, they reused them because i mean at the same time, if you were there filming for four months, you'd be like, hey, yeah, let's go ahead and look at that again. So I agree, but it was just too long. Even just like the architecture of the castle, that was just, it was a beautiful building. Yeah, it's it's real too. I don't think that, I don't know how much green screen or whatever they used or, or set design they had to use, but the, the castle itself is uh, available to, to go and tour and everything. And they've got, um, they got a bunch of cool old artifacts there, so go check it out i don't know the name of it and i'd butcher the hell out of it even if i knew uh if that's all we got for cinematography does anybody mind if we move over to sound effects and music uh music was good i i, I like that it was a recurring uh recurring theme of the sounds that we were hearing the music like jarvis said we would hear it in the beginning and then we would periodically hear it throughout i like it when movies do that and this movie did it very well so i i I enjoyed that um other than that nothing else really stuck out to me personally um there are like little sounds here and there but that was the big thing creating a theme and uh revisiting it throughout the movie yep and i i don't think that they I don't think they overused too much of like the suspenseful sound or anything like that. It didn't really take me out of it, but yeah, I agree with you. It, it just, it really set the scene as soon as you heard the, the music and the theme. And then, um, it, you know, it, they did some quiet scenes when they were down underground inside the, um, 
inside the uh, the tank and everything. So yeah, that was pretty good. They did have that like creepy child singing a few times throughout the movie, mm-hmm. like in the beginning with the uh, the water in the very beginning when the guy has a heart attack. There was a creepy child singing just to open the movie, and yeah. So that was well used and it wasn't even overused because they could have used it 30 times, but this movie was 45 hours long, so it wouldn't have felt <laughs> overboard. It's fair. Yeah. Then special effects. Uh, the, there weren't... The eels, I would imagine, were special effect. I, I didn't look into that. Eels. Eels. They, they were pretty slimy. I, I guess so- I... <laughs> Tell us about the uh, the tooth scene. Ah, uh, yeah. So the tooth scene was interesting. Uh, the the actor, um, I can't. What is his name? Anybody have that? It's uh, Dane DeHaan. Yes. Uh, so uh, Dane mentioned that he actually has a massive fear of going to the dentist, as a lot of people do. And Dane, uh, the, his reaction to the scene was so ge- like it was actual and and pure genuine that they just kept it in. They, they just used it that he felt super uncomfortable they strapped him down he started getting super anxious and nervous and they kept filming and when they came out of it like his reactions are real now the uh, special effects portion of it they took the drill and it was just a rubber drill so uh, the as the drill bit rather was getting close to the the teeth it just it just like sunk in there and I guess they added like blood afterwards so it it thinking about it now I'm like okay maybe that was a little cheesy but it still made me, it was super it felt real I felt uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. It felt very real. <laughs> so they oh, did absolutely. a great job on that. Uh, pulling the tooth out, that was also pretty gnarly. Uh, not mm-hmm. just the drilling, but just the ripping out with the, the root and everything. Ugh. Yeah. Like, I, once in a while, I have like the teeth falling out dreams, and I just wake up, and I go to touch my face, touch my mouth. It's like, yeah, all my teeth are here. Oh, yeah. Those are the worst. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I think that was... That was a lot of it. I think, like I said, it was eels and the teeth. I don't think there was a lot of special effects used, um, or none that I could really point out to. Uh, oh, the, the the melty face mask thing. That yeah. that was a pretty that was pretty good. Yeah, it was solid. Uh, then with that, uh, I believe we're gonna go on to to rating this thing with a spoopy meter. Dan, what you got? All right. Well, um, all right, guys. Let's all say at the same time. What's the common theme in this movie? Incest. Escalators. Escalators. Eels. Oh. All right. Correct. Oh, oh. It's it's goth kids. So in this movie, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, clearly, clearly it's a lot of eels, right? So an eel on average has about 100 vertebrae. So guys, zero to 100 bones. Uh, what would you give this? Uh, yeah. How spoopy was this? Solid 31 vertebrae of eels. Because it wasn't overly scary. There was some, like, I would call them tense moments, but there was some, like, creepy moments, but they weren't, like, scary creepy. They were just, un, like, uneasy, unsettling. You didn't quite know what was going on. But they were conveyed pretty well of just the confusion that he was going through trying to find uh, Pemberton, I believe his name was and get him out of there. So, yeah, 31 eel vertebrae. Two hours of movie, and Mike can't even remember his name was Mr. Pembroke. <laughs> close close, close <laughs> enough. 
Yeah, I, I'm, but I'm kind of with Mike. I like what you said, man. Um, how, uh, you know, it wasn't really like scary as much as it was like tense and uneasy. And I think, you know, you know, I guess the older you get, like things like that don't necessarily scare you anymore as much as they just make you uncomfortable. Um, and this movie definitely did that. Um, and with that in mind, I'm gonna go like. I don't know, like 49 vertebrae, I guess. Like it was almost 50% scary. Like, like the, the, the tracheostomy uh, of eels was mm. pretty fucked up. The teeth, um, the car crash. Like I, I liked it overall uh, as far as its creepiness. So yeah, 49 vertebrae. Yeah, I, I will echo that with a, with a solid 42. I, I think that the the spookiness like you said does come from just being uneasy and uh being scared of certain things especially the the teeth scenes and everything but also just that the the gradual way that the main character just starts to lose his mind and is and he they they gaslight the hell out of him and he's like well i guess i'm crazy so i i I think that that's also kind of on that line I'm, i'm like i said a good uh the answer is always 42 I will, um, I, I'm a little, I'm pretty close to you guys. I, I'm going to give it a 40 out of a hundred. Um, and the reason being is that I, I recognize that they did hit a lot of the things that creep people out, freak people out. Uh, but they don't personally freak me out like teeth stuff. That doesn't really bother me. Uh, snakes and eels that doesn't really bother me. So, but I, I acknowledge that that does trigger some people, um, so, and I think that the scenes were done really well. It's just for me personally, that's not something that gets me. Um, so I'm going to give it a solid for the spoopy meter, a solid 40 out of a hundred. Yeah. And before uh, Chris comes in here, I want to, I want to tack in that, uh, continuing our, our hate on the, the length of this movie. I, I think that the length kind of broke it from being a horror movie rather than it was more of a thriller because the every time they were like kind of getting you a little spooked, it just went on like a 30-minute tirade and you lost all of it. So I don't know. Yeah, they, they could have probably shaved off about uh, 30, 40 minutes of this movie and mm-hmm. it would have been like a tighter, more cohesive narrative. Yep. I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. Just like Kyle's going to cut about 20 minutes of this podcast to make it a more cohesive narrative. I can only hope it's more than 20 minutes. <laughs> I hope it's more like 40. We may have to do two episodes on this. Hey, I thought about it. Uh, Chris, how do you feel? What's your vertebrae count? Uh, kind of about the same with you guys. I'm kind of between like 35 and 40. Um, I i definitely wasn't really scared at any point but unlike dan like the teeth stuff like that just makes me unsettled and a little disturbed and i mean besides that like the feverishly double-fisted masturbating that really made me unsettled and disturbed and (laughs) and yeah and i think just the the length of the movie just kind of took me out of it on all as uh on the whole like I mean, I'm not going to say I hated it, but I wasn't really scared, mostly unsettled, and just was very content with the film. Great. Uh, If that is everyone, then uh, overall, would I say watch it? I guess it wasn't that bad. If you've got, if you legitimately have two hours to kill or two hours plus, I don't know. 
Uh, yeah, almost two and a half. I, you're getting close to like Lord of the Rings territory here. Uh, the the non special editions. Um, I, I I would. It's tough for me to say do it. Maybe it, it's not bad. It's not a bad movie. It's just it's the time. Yeah, I feel the same way. Just with the length of the movie, unless you like a real slow burn of a horror movie, I can't recommend it because it just. If if it doesn't catch you right away, it's going to be a slog to get through, and you'll wind up either not paying attention or being distracted, and then you'll miss a whole bunch of eels, and you won't know what's going on. <laughs> but you need to know about the eels and the escalators. And the escalators, yeah. So with that, if everybody's got what I, they got to say, you got something? Uh, yeah, I I just wanted to chime in and say. Um, uh, you know, I'm never hypercritical of, of these movies. So um, I I can't suggest this movie. I would actually say if this movie was like an hour and a half, it would probably be watchable and it would still be a concise movie because you can cut enough nonsensical stuff out of this movie that it would be completely fine like that. Um, but there's it's just too long and... I also want to throw in, I hate the use of rape as a plot point. Like, can we not? Like, it would have been completely fine without that uh, both times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so if we can move away from that, that would have been great. Uh, I I can't suggest watching this movie. Uh, Gore Ver- Verbinski's done other great movies. Go check out some of his other stuff. This one, no way. Don't Do not go see this. What a waste of time. Unless you like eels. Yeah, then then maybe you're gonna fucking love this. I'm an escalator man myself. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, I'm gonna go ahead and round this out. Uh, I want to thank our uh, the people who've assisted with this podcast, uh, mainly our good friend Andrew Cavanaugh. Uh, he is the intro and outro music. You can find the links in the podcast description. I also want to thank Connor McLeod for our uh, logo and our artwork on our podcast. And I want to thank our shout out from earlier. Uh, appreciate all the, the magical whimsicalness. I believe the next one that we are going to do is going to be. What did we decide Honey- on? Honeymoon? Yeah. Okay. So it's going to be Honeymoon from 2014. So you can find that on a bunch of places. So uh, give it a watch and find us next time. Chris, what do you have to say to the great people? Thanks for stopping by and having a horrible time. I'm, I'm fucking jacked.